You know why they need them those phones? They know Jesus is coming, and they want to talk directly to the Lord. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 270. This week, we have Green's Lip Balm, North Carolina State of Emergency, Candace is at it again, a special guest interview, the MAGA Democrat. The presidential race just got more names. No chemical romance. Non-white supremacists. And the NAACP travel warning. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner's endeavor. Representative Emeritus, the man, the legend, Ken Pullen. Dave, how are you this week? I was right about to introduce you as, as a writer and journalist because I've done <laughs> it so, so many times with Jessica. <laughs> no, not a writer or a journalist. No, I'm doing good, man. We're, we're we're recording early this week for the holiday weekend. I've got to I've got to go jet off to uh, see my niece graduate. Yeah, we we're just talking about that. You're on one of those little tiny airplanes uh, flying this week, so that should be very entertaining. Ah, it doesn't bother me. I I flew chalks back back in the eighties. <laughs> if you remember who chalks was, I don't. I don't remember that. It was a seaplane. Okay. And uh, when you wanted to get out, go out of uh, out of San Juan. And go hit the islands. You had to. You had to take. You could either take boat and take all day. You could take chalks and get there in a few minutes. So you know, uh, we flew chalks uh, a, a few times. Then I think they ended up crashing a couple planes. Went out of business. Yeah, we flew into Jamaica on our honeymoon, and we took a flight, one of the little small planes from the Jamaica airport over to Negril. And the day before, we didn't know this, but the, the same flight we took, same type of plane, had crashed. So I'm, I'm assuming if we'd have known that information beforehand, we'd have been on the bus from uh, Jamaica Airport to Negril. Well, it depends on which if, if you're in at MBJ, Montego, Montego Bay. I don't think Negril's that far. No, it was about an hour plane ride, so, or a thirty minute plane ride, I guess. But it was one of those where you can see the pilots working the controls, and there's eight people on the plane, so it was a it was a small one, very bumpy. Did it smell like skunk? It didn't smell good. It, no, it smelled more like just hot sweat. Nice, yeah. <clears throat> I was fishing in Jamaica, and uh, I go up to the bridge, and the captain's got a red stripe in one hand and a, and a joint in the other. <laughs> that man's not, in charge of our safety. Not as many regulations in Jamaica, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> so, Marjorie Taylor Greene is ready to pucker up for McCarthy. <laughs> Yeah, this was a great story, right? Sounds like somehow that the speaker was auctioning off his chapstick for a fundraising event to all the Republican Congress members or all the Republican members of Congress. And what does she end up spending for this chapstick? A hundred grand. <laughs> wow. That's got to be the most expensive chapstick ever. I mean, look, I don't care if it was Charlize Theron's. I'm not spending a hundred grand on that chapstick. <laughs> no, not at all. And look, this story kind of it made me laugh in the beginning in the beginning, but then kind of made me a little frustrated that our representatives are tossing around money like this and contributions that have come in for political stunts. 
you know, I want Congress, I think both of us do, I want Washington so small that they never have to raise 100000 or have 100000 because nobody cares. and Nobody needs to donate this type of money to a, a congressman. But I guess this is where we are that these, you know, people like Marjorie Taylor, who you know, she's, I think she's the most prolific Republican fundraiser in the, in the House at the moment. Yeah, but she has it in her war chest. And it's going to the Republican uh, Congressional committee. committee. Yeah, well, it's going to the Congressional Committee, so it'll it'll stay with Republican members of Congress, and it'll it'll stay to go elect other Republicans to Congress. the 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 bad thing is, is if you're on the outside, <clears throat> you get none of that money. Yes, right. Sort of. I mean, same thing happens in the state, but yeah, it seems like Marjorie is really uh, playing a different character now up under you know, Speaker Kevin McCarthy than she did up under Pelosi. I mean, up under Pelosi, she was completely different person than she is now with new leadership in place. I think she was also may have gone under the wrong person's wing or got hooked up with Getz. And yep. the two the two of them just started bouncing crazy off each other. Yeah, I don't see her hanging out with Matt Gates as much any, anymore. So she's she has really changed. Now I guess that I think uh, her people are gonna like her no matter what she does up in up, up in her district, but she's definitely taken a different tone uh, in the last year or so. Yeah, the bonus with this cha- with this chapstick is dinner with the with the speaker. <clears throat> and it's not just dinner for her; it's dinner for and some mega donors. Yeah, so she'll so, be able to raise more money. Right. So this this hundred thousand is is an investment. I'd I'd be very surprised if she didn't triple that. <clears throat> and she, and she has no she has no opposition out here. No, I don't think she's got anybody. And I I don't I don't live in your area of the, of the woods, but I don't think anyone else is making a name for themselves out there where they could run against her in the future. She, she will be in your district as long as she wants to. Well, she can she kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, literally she moved to move in. Yeah, she did. I mean, she moved in a district, right? She ran from another district. She was running in a sixth district, if you remember, which didn't really have stand a chance for a Republican. Yep. Yeah. And then switched over to uh, what's the congressional district number that she represents. Is it two or. I no, yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, but she moved over and got elected. I, so. I should know. I'm, I'm more concerned with HD 19. You know, that's 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 <laughs> that's that's the the race I actually have control over. Yeah, and I saw one of your representatives was in D.C. this week. Martin uh, Monahan was in D.C. Uh, you know, talking about projects in the district, and I know he took a picture of Marjorie earlier this week. So you've got representation in D.C. lobbying for stuff in your your district up that way yeah he is really like a third of the man he used to be he is it's amazing how much weight now, i hate to say how much weight martin's lost but he looks really good now he's really slimmed down and and is uh, i think he's got some what, back surgery coming up or something yeah he's, he's got some back problems yeah but i mean he's he's really slimmed down because when we were serving together he used to tell me he said ken i go to this little diner every morning and i get two gravy and biscuits and i sit there and talk to you know all the old guys that were sitting around so I'm assuming he's changed his habits now that he's lost all this weight. Oh yeah, I mean he was he was going to the gym several times a week with some of the other um, other folks out here. I know uh, he was. Uh, I think he did a lot of keto. Yeah, and he was and he was never like you know his his uh, uh, guilty pleasure was was never really booze. No, it, not uh, at all. I don't think Martin. I don't think Martin drinks. Uh, I know. I, don't I, think I know. So. I have never seen him. 
but he loved some dessert back in the day. So, uh, well, that's what I'm saying is, is, uh, <laughs> you know, just, you know, I, I put a, I put a lot of mine on with steak, potatoes, potatoes, uh, beer and wine. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Martin could, could put it away. I mean, I, I, I would meet him and some other representatives up at a waffle house, like 11 o'clock at night after everyone after <laughs> already, already had dinner. It's like, all right, now we order three eggs and hash browns and, but no, man, he, he looks he looks really good. I mean, he, I, I th- he's got to feel better. Yeah, definitely. You need to ask him, uh, give us an update on the next show, how his trip was to D.C., see who all he talked to and what came out of that. Hmm, will do. But yeah, the, the the meeting is what I think is what Margie wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chapstick is just stupid. <laughs> I mean, it, it might as well just be a gold star, you know, like like you're in kindergarten. I wonder what was the what was the next closest bid, or did she just come out of the blue and say hundred thousand no, for the chapstick? She's bidding against somebody. Okay, they both took a picture with it. <laughs> That's great. But you know, it's not. Here's the thing: it's not like that money's gone and won't come back. If she needs the money from the committee, it'll come back. Yep, no doubt. Or they'll, or they'll 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 take their own campaign, uh, take their own commercials out for, and all that stuff. Not that she needs it though. She's just got her war chest, and she'll be able to spend that money, you know, really working with candidates that she likes across the country and helping reelect candidates that, uh, that she likes also. So she'll it, put it, that it, money to good use. It doesn't matter. She could murder somebody on Main Street <laughs> and still pull sixty percent of the votes. That is true. When she was spewing all the Q stuff. Didn't matter. Uh, it, it it just it just doesn't matter. She has, uh, now she has such a war chest, so well known. Uh, nothing. She's bulletproof. But we've I mean we've talked about this before. I think Marjorie's got the public persona, and then when you meet her, she's I'm not I don't want to say she's a totally different person. But my son and I met Marjorie in her office in D.C. a year or so ago, and she's a completely different person when you meet her than. She's portrayed in, in the media. She, we had a very good conversation with her. She was super nice, very welcoming. Showed us around. Her office is really a cool place. She's got all the letters that people write her displayed all over her office, outside office door and inside. It, she's just got a – it's completely different when you meet Marjorie versus how the media – No, I, I, absolutely. I've, I've said that for a long time. As, as I, you know, I met her before. I really saw her on TV. And I'm like, I don't recognize that person on TV. The person I met is super, super sweet and accommodating. Right. Now, some of her supporters had me rolling my eyes like, oh, my God, these people live here and they vote. <laughs> so North Carolina Governor Ray Cooper declared a state of emergency. Why? Yeah, this is a new well, one, right? Yeah. yeah, well, it's too late for snow, too early for hurricanes. So what's the state of emergency? Did Was there a... Uh, uh, a huge accident at one of the military posts because North, North Carolina's got a few. No landslide. No, the legislature is is pushing through. Are they reconciling two bills? One in the Senate, one in the House, that would offer school choice. Yeah, just like Georgia passed this year. So they are. Uh, well, actually, they didn't pass. Right, I, I need to refresh my memory here. But they're trying to pass a bill that just basically takes the state's portion of funds that the state pays the local counties for their portion of uh, state funding for education. It gives that to the student and lets them go to any private school they want to. Uh, North Carolina was a little different than a Georgia bill. North Carolina bills open up to all the students, which I think Georgia should do. I, 
I've never been a big fan of just picking and choosing who is who can participate in the school choice programs, but this North Carolina bill says that any student in the state of North Carolina can participate and receive that state funding and take it to a private school. Yeah, it, if you put it in a suitcase and you carry it with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the legislature now has a supermajority of Republicans. The uh, Democrat, uh, Cooper, is uh, – Governor Cooper's a Democrat – so he, he can veto it, and Republicans now have the votes because one representative flipped parties over school mm-hmm. choice. Yeah, sort of like in Georgia where uh, uh, Misha Maynard flipped last year and voted for school choice. Yeah, this is uh, – I was surprised. I've forgotten that the governor of North Carolina was now a Democrat, and it's strange how the, the governor is a Democrat, but the Republicans have a supermajority and can override his veto. So that's got to set up some interesting – political sort of standoffs in North Carolina at the moment. And I'm not sure. Now, of course, the supermajority just happened the last week or two. Um, but as far as the the House and Senate staying that red, I don't know if that was in the 22 election that that happened. I, I, I don't know enough about North Carolina politics specifically to know exactly when that happened. Uh, but, yeah, he's, his, he has been neutered. Yes. If... if if the uh, their speaker and their lieutenant governor, whoever heads their Senate, decides they want to run the state, they can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how, how many powers that the governor of North Carolina has, but I would imagine they are going to strip him of most of his powers and run everything through the legislature. And a lot of the governors, I mean, I think a lot of people know because we talk about it, but Georgia's governor is one of the most powerful governors in the nation because of all the powers and appointments that the governor in Georgia has. I've never looked up the North Carolina governor to see if it's similar or not, but I would imagine there's going to be some power stripping going on here shortly. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Which it, is fine. I good. think governors, yeah, I do too. I think it's really good. I think governors accrue way too much power. And but the same thing would happen in Georgia if a Democrat was ever elected. We'd have a, you know, we'd have an emergency session come up and they would strip all the powers from the governor. Some of the powers the governor should have that he's given up or that office has given up was clemency. Mm-hmm. First of all, oh, you have, to, you have to take that to the border party. I can't, I can't do anything about it until I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry, that's not my authority. No, it was in your authority or in that office's authority. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they, it's given up things they should have kept and then uh, have got things that they, in my opinion, they should not necessarily have, uh, which is... You know, all the appointments. I think the appointments in Georgia should be reworked where the governor doesn't appoint over a thousand people to office every year. Every year. Nice. Well, not not necessarily every year, but, you know, the governor appoints to the head of the GBI, State Patrol, all the governmental agencies, whoever the heads are, school board, uh, elections board. What else? We've got the uh, regents, the board of regents. I mean, you know, the governor's in charge of all that. And that's why I always say that the governor would be stripped of powers if it ever flipped to a Democrat. And and rightly so. I don't want Stacey Abrams or whoever the government or whoever the Democrat governor is appointing all those people to those agencies. I think that would be a recipe for disaster. Well, and the biggest question is, what does the state of emergency mean? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Pure theater. Yeah, it's it, it. It came with no executive order. All it said is uh, it told people to contact their state reps. <laughs> Start paying attention. 
That's all. Yeah, it was. I, he was just doing it as an attention getter. And he could have just done a press conference. Oh, but yeah, he, definitely. But he wanted the headline of state of emergency. I think our schools are worthy of it or something like that. Sorry, Eric. So how long, how long does the state of emergency last, I wonder? I don't know, there, because there is no state of emergency. There's no executive order to go with it. <laughs> so there's no EO to go with it. I yeah. I mean, I, did not, I, I don't know what authority... Would he have the authority to disband the, uh, the, the legislature? No. <laughs> That'd be the only only way to get around it is, is, if, is if the... the State of emergency somehow gave him authority to to uh, uh, to re- put the uh, legislature in recess until he until such time as he decides they need to come back. It's that so interesting. Be- yeah, I was going to say it's so interesting how all these states are doing. Ten years ago, it felt like I never knew what was going on in other states around a nation, but we're in these times now where you've got all these bills being passed in Florida, North Carolina. And various other states, and there's so much attention being paid to states and what they're doing now, uh, which at the end of the day, most of the laws should be passed at the state level. So I, I like all the state action, but we're hearing a lot more about what happens in different states now than actually we're hearing about Congress uh, in Washington. Well, no, really- that's good. I, th- I think that has a lot to do with, well, what inactivity in Washington. There's only so many times you can cover the debt <laughs> Right. Yes, uh, and and the other is so many of these states. The, the let's, there's only five people that write write state laws around the country, and they shop and they shop them out around the country. Yeah, right. You, you know, it's not you're not seeing these representatives go and sit down with a with a quill pen and a and a, and a scroll and start writing down what the way they think a law should be. Lobbyists bring them a, a, a law and says, and with we're playing Mad Libs, we're going to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens to most of this stuff. Something will be passed in Tennessee that people like, and that legislation will just be passed down to Georgia to a representative, and they'll rework it with all the Georgia code language in it and get the lawyers to adjust it. But that's what it's just template legislation is passed around for a lot of this stuff. You know, in today's world, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of LGBTQ stuff being passed, or you know, the, the anti-trans or anti. Uh, Anti, what is it? Uh, the people that are dancing right now. My mind is completely. Oh, the drag queens. Like, yeah, the anti-drag queen laws. All that is just template. Well, it is it's not, legislation it's, is being passed around. Yeah, and that's 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 it's not anti-trans or anti-drag queen. It's anti-bringing kids into it. Right. Exactly. Anti-sexualizing kids is what it is. So, yeah, that's what those laws are based on. Just saying, stop sexualizing minors. Yeah, yeah. Stop selling kids' bathing suits with Tuck. <laughs> yeah, Target's taking a lot of flack over this. They've actually sounded like their executives got together this week and figured out how, what how their would, message was going to be. How would you like to jump jump into a pool with your twig and berries tucked all the way at the bottom where it's going to slap first? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not going to try that, Dave. <laughs> I may try it this, uh, uh, this weekend at the hotel in Ocala. <laughs> you should. I'm sure Connie would love that. Yeah, big, big fat guy tucking. Yeah, just stop by a Target down there and take a picture. We all want to see it. We can put it up. Hey, excuse me, do you have this one piece of two XL? <laughs> oh goodness! All right, Candace Taylor's offer damn rocker again. Yeah, we could talk about Candace. It feels like every week. <laughs> now she's a flat earther. Yeah, and just you know, Candace 
came to fame, what, a couple years ago when she ran for Senate the first time when that Senate race was open. It was an open jungle primary. She got, what, one or two percent of the vote. And then she decided she was going to run against Governor Kemp in a primary last year where I think she got three percent of the vote but said she was cheated out of the win. That's her claim. And now she went on a podcast this week and she is a flat earther. Globes are a conspiracy. Yeah, she said globes are everywhere. So all these globes are around us. Everywhere you look, there's globes. And and uh, they're pushing a big conspiracy and wanting us to believe that the earth is round instead of flat. Can't you see her, her little kid out in the yard blowing bubbles, her smack the bubbles out of his hand? <laughs> Those are globes. And what's even more embarrassing is for the Georgia GOP party is Candace is the first district GOP chair lady. She was elected a couple months ago. There's 13 congressional districts in Georgia. She's one of the 13 really most powerful GOPers in Georgia at the moment. So she she has a platform, and she thinks, I guess, it's healthy on her platform to talk about the earth being flat. Or the Guidestones being, being struck down by God, mm-hmm. or her being cheated by at least 47 points. Yes. Yeah, she's very entertaining. And this is, like you mentioned earlier, she's got her PhD in education. So this is not some country bumpkin that just uh, grew up out in the sticks and has uh, ran for office. Uh, she's got a lot of education. She's been, you know, getting a PhD in education took you at least probably four, eight, ten years. Uh, so she's, you know, highly yeah, trained edu- in education. Yeah, I mean. Education does not make you smart. It does. It doesn't. And, but she has gotten a lot of degrees. Yeah, and and uh, uh, look, I've I've seen dog crap smarter than her, and she's <laughs> embarrassing. And the fact is that now that she's relegated to the online field, it's not as much. But just, just she's just embarrassing. She she plays up the southern accent, and then she wants to sound smart and go, "Well, you see globes everywhere." And it's a conspiracy. You watch the news, you see a globe behind him because it's the world rotating behind him, stupid. Yep, and she's all about, I mean, it's every other week there's a different conspiracy out there. She's talking about the sat phone conspiracy now, the satellite phone conspiracy where supposedly 50 senators got sat phones, which means there's going to be some catastrophic event coming up. Uh, yeah, she's she, honestly, she's got a new one every couple of weeks. And I was scrolling back through her Twitter account just looking at it stuff she's got going on. And 50 senators having sat phones is not shocking to me. No, not at all. Sat phones, I mean, they're not great communication, but they are communication when you're, say you're, you are the senator from Montana or Alaska and they need to recall you. The the sat phones way that stuff is done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think the hundred... I would think the senators in Washington, in case all else fails, there's some catastrophic event, they would need a way to get in touch with each other. So I don't think you know the why phone stuff is a conspiracy. You know why they need them, those phones? They know <laughs> Jesus is coming, and they want to yes. talk directly to the Lord. Well, you do a great impersonation of Candace Taylor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trust me, I'll hear about it from her supporters. Because her supporters are... <laughs> Uh, are die in the wool. Oh, they are. I mean, they, they're they all flat earthers now. I mean, they went from being uh, 
Yeah, they went from thinking the earth was round to flat earthers as soon as that interview came out. So, But at but, least we know what happened to Amelia Earhart. She fell mm-hmm. off. Yeah, her, I mean, her supporters will walk off that uh, plank with her. I mean, they're going down. There's nothing to stop them, and they'll be they'll be down there in Columbus in a couple of weeks at the state GOP convention. So uh, it's too bad we can't get a media pass to that event. It would be great to do a podcast from the state GOP convention. Oh, dude, I I, I want to go now just to buy a bunch of mini globes and like <laughs> beach ball globes and throw them on the stage while she's there. Get myself thrown out. I mean. <laughs> I'm not gonna throw rocks at her, but I'll throw blow up beach balls with with globe painted on them and throw throw those on the stage. Start start bouncing around the crowd and stuff. Yeah, she'll see globes go, everywhere. We should go down and set up a booth with a bunch of uh, globes and just sell them. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> ah, she's an idiot. Well, <clears throat> we have a special guest. I did an interview with an expert on FDIC. And what individuals can do to maximize their coverage. We have a very rare special guest, someone who swore she would never be on the show. She hates talking to me anyway, and that's because she's my wife, Connie Roberts. She's a vice president of of a regional bank. She's a manager of a regional bank. She's got 30 years banking experience, many of those years in operations. She's an expert on FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and she's the go-to person amongst other bankers uh, when they have questions about how to, how, to, how to structure accounts to get the maximum coverage. So I welcome my wife, Connie Roberts. Hello. Oh, that's dynamic. That's, that, that's <laughs> awesome right there. Uh, that, that's, that's the stuff that, that just compels listeners to turn that volume up and really get involved. You were shaking your head while, while, while I was introducing you. Well, I haven't been in banking for 30 years. You're aging me. Uh, it's been closer to 27. Thank you very much. And that's long enough. Um, but I, And I don't say that I'm an expert on FDIC. I would say that I am someone who understands FDIC better than most. Um, and, and that includes most bankers, even a lot of bankers, um, that have been in the business for many years, don't understand all the ins and outs of FDIC coverage and therefore, you know, can't really explain it very well to customers. And there's a lot of misconceptions with clients and bankers alike. Um, and I've taught, you know, a lot of the, the people who have worked under me, um, about FDIC coverage and how to uh, extend people's coverage. And that's another appearance on the show by the podcat. She's very excited to, to have her mama home. She usually doesn't give a damn if I'm around unless she needs food or water or something. But when, when her mama gets home, she, she cries, cries for attention. So the, the limits now, when I was in banking, the limits were 100,000. And the limit is now two fifty quarter mil. It's two hundred fifty thousand. Yes. So, in our family, there's two of us, and we really can't put the cat on any accounts. No. How could we structure? And we own we own a business. How could we structure our accounts to maximize our coverage for FDIC? Well, most people think that um, they understand that that the coverage is two hundred fifty thousand. 
But when they hear that, they think it's 250000 either per individual or they think it's 250000 per account. And neither of those is actually correct. It's based on the account structure. It's the actual ownership. So when you're looking at FDIC coverage, um, it asks you, how is the how is this account titled? Is it a single ownership account? Is it a joint account? Or is it a what they call an ITF slash POD? And all that means is that you have the account structured in such a way where it's either one owner and one beneficiary, or it could be multiple owners and multiple beneficiaries. Um, and that is a separate structure. And then in addition to that, if a customer has an IRA, IRA coverage is completely separate than the rest of their coverage. So the rest of their coverage could be divided between CDs, checking accounts, money market accounts. It doesn't matter. It's really how that ownership is structured. And then the IRA is 250 by itself covering just that individual. So if I had if I have a joint if I have a single account, just my name, that's 250. Correct. If you and I have an account joint, that's 250. If you and I have an account together, it's 250 for you, 250 for me. So that's actually 500,000. In addition, I could have an account in just my name. That's another 250. You could have an account in your name. That's another 250. So that's a million dollars between the two of us. Correct. And to add upon that with just the two of us, I could have an account in my name, but POD to you. And you could have an account in, in your name, payable on death to me. And that would be another 250 for for each account. So that's now we're up to 1.5 million. Right. So what about Dr. Cool as a business account? Now, Dr. Cool would be its own separate entity, its, its own EIN number. Um, so that would just have its coverage of 250,000 for for the entity itself. Unlike where you're talking about individual ownership, um, individual ownership is based on the owners and the beneficiaries. With a business entity, it is just that business entity. It doesn't matter how many owners of the business you have. That doesn't extend your FDIC coverage. All right. So now we're up to, to 2 million. I think so. I kind of lost track. Yeah. As now, we were now, going now, now, now we're up to 2 million, including the business account. Now think about Matt Lowe, Matt and Martha Lowe with seven kids. Correct. And and you may think, okay, well, seven, seven kids, that's 250,000 times seven. That's actually not correct <laughs> because each owner can FDIC cover each child 250,000. So it's not 250 times seven, it would be 250 times 14 because the, the parent, the, the father could insure each child 250,000 per child and then the mother is doing the same. So um, I, I worked up a, a scenario the other day uh, just as, as for training purposes. And I, and I did one that was that was structured very much just like we discussed where it was a husband and wife uh, with a joint account without any beneficiaries on the joint account that gave them the 500,000 coverage, um, had a, um, a, an individual account for each of them then had an individual with a POD to each other. That's, as, that's, as, payable, that's payable upon death. That's payable on death. And then in addition to that, I had one or two accounts that was husband and wife payable on death to their four children. And all of that was covered them, covered that 
that scenario of up to $4 million. I, I've had a customer who was just a husband and wife that had two children and each of their two children had two children. So they had their four grandkids and their their two children on the account. And the husband and wife had that um, divided up to such a way that they had they had about $3 million in FDIC coverage. Now, obviously, you know, if um, if they earn interest, your interest is going to start being added into the account balances. So that could cause you if you went all the way up to the 250 limit by the time you finished adding in interest, that interest part might be FDIC insured, but the, all the principal balance would be completely FDIC insured. <clears throat> So there's there's no real reason to go running to your bank to yank out anything over 250 and run it to another bank if you're structured properly. Yes, a lot of folks think that that to get themselves the FDIC coverage begin because again they they think that it's that's 250 per bank per individual or 250 per bank per account. So they think that they've got to divide their CDs between 12 different banks um, to get them the proper FDIC coverage. But you don't actually have to do that if you know how to properly structure your account ownership and if you have enough beneficiaries that you can add. uh, Again, it continues to grow from there. Hey, look, I, I don't know many wealthy people that are sitting on cash in a money market account. That much cash. Where you're 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 that worried about you know you've got twenty million dollars in a in a uh, in a deposit account somewhere uh, unless you're about to make a move most most people will have that with a with a wealth advisor which you worked for a wealth wealth advising bank for for quite a while and usually those folks aren't keeping millions and millions and millions of dollars in FDIC insured. Accounts. Well, actually, that's how I became so proficient with FDIC coverage is while working for the Wealth Management Bank because some clients get to, um, especially a, a certain age, or they've been burned by the the investment side with, you know, it is a roller coaster ride sometimes. So uh, when they were receiving all these significant losses, they were looking for ways to park a lot of money that would be completely safe. And looking for ways for these people that had millions of dollars to have their FDIC coverage on those accounts is, is how I became so proficient with understanding all the ins and outs of FDIC coverage. Yeah. Those, those are the risk adverse. Correct. Uh, probably close to retirement. Absolutely. Probably. Some of them are over retirement age. Yeah. So, yeah, so that yeah. they're living on the interest that's earned and, and obviously don't want to see, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses each year if the stock market's having, you know, big drops. Um, the the other thing um, I, I just want to point out is, is anybody can run their FDIC coverage calculator. Um, there is a, a website through the FDIC. Um, if you just Google, if you just Google FDIC coverage calculator, it comes up with the system is called ED, E-D-I-E. It's the first thing that comes up when you say FDIC coverage calculator. Um, and, and all you have to do is put in the bank name and then you start structuring how your ownership is, is set up. Uh, is it personal accounts? Is it business or, or what have you? If you do personal, then you can sit there and continue to add another account and add another account and separate how the the account is structured with 
who's the owners and who's the beneficiaries and add additional owners, adding additional beneficiaries. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's helpful. We're not, we're not, we're not going to get into the politics of FDIC and what, what Congress wants to do with or anything else. This is just, just pure information, but, but thank you for your time. And now I'm going to go kill the cat that's been, that's been jingling through, throughout, throughout our interview. Darlin, thank you very much. Sure thing. Again, big thanks to my poor wife for subjecting herself to being interviewed by me. <clears throat> she doesn't even like talking to me at home normally. <laughs> she sat down. She sat down for a 10-minute interview. That's cool. Yeah, and, and the cat made an appearance. <laughs> mostly, mostly because, like, the cat does doesn't care what I do, but when Mama comes home and sits down, you know, and that the fact that she's being ignored <laughs> was annoying the damn cat. <laughs> so back on politics, we have a Democratic state rep, Mesha Manor, Manor, I guess, uh, did some talking last week. She is a uh, Democratic state rep from Georgia, I, I think Atlanta. Yes, he's from Atlanta. Yep. Uh, she rebelled against her caucus in regards to school choice. Yeah, this uh, was the this was the only Democrat last year when the school choice bill came up in the Georgia House, which ultimately failed. She was the only Democrat that crossed party lines and voted for school choice. So uh, yeah, her what, quote is: "Her yeah, quote is, I support school choice." parent rights, and opportunities for children to thrive, especially those are that are marginalized and tend to fail in school. Yeah, she's truly looking out for her district. She's saying that the children in her district need more opportunities, and that's why she voted on the school choice bill. It's amazing that she she voted. I, I think I saw in the article that, we, that we're referencing where she's talking about this, that the minority leader in the House voted with Republicans 95% of the time last year, she voted with Republicans like 97% of the time. So this was, she takes one bad vote and now she's a MAGA Republican as she's being labeled by her Democrat counterparts. Well, no, the MAGA Republican is, is, is my comment on the next thing that she said, but apparently they're putting a $1,000 bounty out on her. Anybody <laughs> who, who goes to, who, who qualifies to, to run against her in the primary, well, they'll donate $1,000 to the campaign. This was my friend, Senator Josh McLaren. He was the first one that came out and said he would give anybody, donate $1,000 to their campaign. This is the same guy we talked about on last week's show, Dave. Uh, you know, I thought this was, uh, Josh is, represents a very affluent district up in northeast Atlanta. You know, Misha represents a very poor district in the Atlanta area. But Josh needs to keep his nose out of her district. Her people are going to either vote her in or vote her out. But I think she's going to get a lot of support from local people if they actually understand this issue and how school choice could impact the children that they have. Yeah, the biggest resistance to this, and this goes for North Carolina also, is, is school unions. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know why anybody cares what, what uh, individual school districts think or school boards think. I don't care what my school board thinks. I just want them to stop taxing me. <laughs> me too. Now, I think Republicans have come out and played this entirely wrong. They have jumped all over uh, supporting the Democrat state rep, but they need her in office. The more Republicans come out and support Misha Maynard, uh, 
uh, the more it's going to cause her constituents to vote against her in the next election. I think Republicans should have just been real quiet, let this play out. But no, they had an ally in her uh, with school choice if it came up again next year. Well, the same thing happened, happened to Liz Cheney and it happened to uh, 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 Romney. It's happening mm-hmm. to Romney. Right. Is as soon as the Democrats came out to pat him on the back, every Republican turned and sneered. Yep. It's going to be the same way in this case. So she's probably going to lose her Democrat primary next year. And the next person in will definitely not support school choice. Then she came out swinging like a MAGA Republican. <laughs> Quote, we'll send a million to the border for immigrant services, but black communities, not even a shout out. I'm sorry. I don't agree with this. She added, I'm not backing down and I'm actually getting started. Just getting started. So, and look, this is the same thing. I don't think we covered it on the show. We talked about it off air a little bit. Uh, there was some protests in Chicago about the immigrants that would be dropped off in Chicago. Yes, and it I was, saw that. It was a black community that was upset. And one of the ladies said, don't sell your house. If you sell their house, if you sell your house, they're going to move in. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. If you if if you were in the 1950s, you'd be wearing a white hood. Mm-hmm. I yeah, can't I believe you couple, said. Yeah, I saw that article, and I, I saw that the the, res, the black residents up in Chicago saying, you know, don't do that. And then I also saw where the immigrants were sent to New York City this week, and there were students living in hotel rooms up there that had to leave. They basically just put them out on the street and said, we've got to house these uh, illegals coming in from the border, and you got to go. So it was, it's interesting now that we get to take on a lot of people in Chicago and New York, and they have a sort of different opinion now about the illegal aliens coming over the border than they did originally, or at least what the media tells us they had. Yeah, but when when we've said in the past, and I've heard my parents say, <clears throat> as you know, we talk about foreign aid, is charity starts at home. You know how many people are, are broke in this country? I mean, there are, go to Appalachia, talk, talk about uh, North so Carolina. Poor. Yep. Uh, I mean, you've got there's there's a movie that is one of the worst and best movies to watch. It's called The Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, uh, Hank the Third, I think was was in on that was in on that production. At least he did the music for it. Uh, but it's it was it's it was like a a train wreck you couldn't turn away from, and you <clears> see how these pe- these people live. Yeah, you've got West Virginia is very poor, but then you've got parts of Ohio. You know, Kentucky, those areas are just so poor. And you're right. I mean, they're not getting taken care of. And then we're taking care of a lot of other people in different ways. Yeah, but had we said that with Trump in the White House, uh, would have been immediately uh, a uh, a xenophobe, racist, bigot. But it's it's funny to hear these, these, these folks that are in Democratic strongholds whether yeah, it's whether it's it folks, yeah, folks in Chicago and and this in Atlanta, like whoa, 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 what, what about what about all the people here that 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 are that are poor? And I think she was when she said a million, it kind of reminded me of of Doctor Evil, not having hey, a yes. grasp of how much money's <laughs> going down there. I mean, one million dollars, one yeah. million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's, it, you need to put another zero or two zeros, maybe three zeros on it. Like yeah, I'm talking speak, about cost of everything. And speaking of movies, I know this is totally off subject, but we watched Air this week, which is a new movie that Ben Affleck and uh, put out with a uh, who's his who's his partner that was in the Apple's movie. Uh, 
that, Completely that Apple's movie. Blank. Yeah, you know, so, uh, what about those oh, Apple's? Oh, Matt Damon? Matt, Matt Damon. So it's the movie's called Air. It's about Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan signing sign in with Nike. Incredible movie. So if you haven't seen Air, you should. I think it's on Prime Video. But they did an outstanding job talking about how Michael Jordan signed with Nike over Converse and Adidas back in, I think it was 1984 when he came out of North Carolina and signed with Chicago. So just a plug for that movie. It's really, really good. Republicans buy shoes too. (laughs) So Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis both announced last week. Uh, yeah. Jason Vitarde, who's my state senator, uh, was at Tim Scott's event, took pictures with him. Yeah, and then Rich McCormick has already come out and endorsed Ron DeSantis. And what's interesting about, well, I, look, I think Tim Scott, we met Tim Scott a couple of years ago at an Eric's, Eric Erickson event in Atlanta. Super, super nice guy. Honestly, I don't think the country wants a super nice guy as president anymore. But Tim's message was sort of this it felt sort of like an Obama message that our best days are ahead of us. The country's not going downhill, but we're going up. You know, it was a very inspirational message. I'm not sure I agree with that. If you kind of look around, our country's 32 trillion in debt. We're you know, spending money all over the world. We've got this immigration problem, but he's, he, that's his, that's his way of running for president, right? He's going to be the happy go lucky guy that the country's great. And our best days are ahead of us. Uh, you know, DeSantis, and, totally different. Yeah, go ahead on Tim Scott. And, and you know, and I, and I like Tim Scott. Uh, you know, you, with, with Reagan, you had the Shining City on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I, maybe, maybe it is time for, for, for a uh, little palate cleanser with the, with the negative stuff we've had lately. And I, I really think, I think Scott is playing for second place. Yeah, I think I think he's either a VP type candidate, and he probably would be a great VP pick. I mean, he would be the first, actually, be the first black president, right? Or our VP, uh, or I mean, I, yeah, I guess he's hundred uh, percent. So definitely, Tim Scott is is different uh, than typical uh, VP Secretary of State. He would be great in the administration. He's a good guy. Never been married or had kids. In my opinion, that's the only kind of downside. I'd, I'd love to have presidents have. Uh, that you know do have a family and understand what it's like to have a family, but he's just devoted his life to. Uh, well, I, I guess I'm not qualified. <laughs> I would vote for you, Dave. <laughs> That'd be a mistake. The <laughs> other, the other uh, conspiratorial way of looking at it is, this is an easy way to fill his coffers. It is. Yeah, he doesn't have to resign from the Senate. He starts off actually with $22 million also. So he's got more money than DeSantis and Trump currently in the bank to, to this campaign. He could easily double that. And he will. Yep. He appeals and, and, to a lot of people. And, and what, what that does for him as the vice presidential pick is I'm going to bring $40 million with me. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're, if you're running, if you're, if you're the nominee, you guys start looking at that forty million dollars really, really hard. Yep. Like, man, if I if I go pick a Nikki Haley with five million in the bank, what is she bring? What is she bringing to to the uh, to the equation? And I, and I like Nikki Haley too. I don't dislike her. Uh, Ron DeSantis, if, if Trump is the nominee, I 
I don't see a Reagan Bush reconciliation like 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 we saw. Yeah, I don't either. I don't see DeSantis I, as the VP if he if he doesn't win the primary. No, he'll he'll stay, he'll stay chief executive of Florida for another two years and and then maybe look at Senate. Mm-hmm. Now, what was and interesting I, about the DeSantis announcements? He announced this on Twitter. So him and Elon Musk partner together on the Twitter spaces, and that's where his campaign announced. So they're completely staying away from the media, taking his message to Twitter uh, and doing it that way. Yeah. I, look, it's, it's, it's the new media. And, and look, what, what's going to happen is he's, he does that, and every TV station is going to run with it over and over and over again. It's going to be free, t- it's gonna be free ads. Mm-hmm. Every every local station will show it on the news. Every obviously the the, the national news will, will be showing it over and over again. And then it'll hit the talk shows. It'll be on the View for all the stay at home moms that have their fourth glass of wine by ten o'clock in the morning. Because uh, that's the only reason I I could think you could watch the View. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And he did get. And then DeSantis got a big endorsement this week from Georgia. So Rich McCormick, who is a new congressman from Georgia, he endorsed DeSantis. So we'll have to see who else. And Georgia uh, comes out with endorsements. I would think, you know, Governor Kemp's definitely not going to endorse Trump. So it's going to be interesting to see who he endorses this year. If he has half a brain in his head, he'll stay out of it. Just stay out of it. Probably because so. he, if if he is looking at a VP pick, something like that, is just is stay out of it. If if asked if asked straight up, they say, "Well, I, I haven't given my endorsement. I I like what what Governor DeSantis has done in Florida. I sure liked the way uh, my my wallet looked when Trump was in office. Let's see mm-hmm. how it works out, and I'll I'll support the nominee. That's 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 the the smartest thing he could do is just stay out of it. And, and you know, Rich McCormick, if DeSantis wins, he's a doctor. Also, he could definitely take a position in the cabinet. So you could see why this is a very strategic play. I think from McCormick. Santos does end it's up. It's a winning. long shot at this point, but yep. it is a long shot. All right, so we have missing chemicals. About sixty thousand pounds of a chemical used in both the fertilizer and explosive is missing, likely disappearing during a rail trip from Wyoming to California. Yeah, so this popped up first on the on my Twitter radar this week, and I thought it was all conspiracy based. Everybody was talking about these chemicals are missing and. There's going to be an upcoming event, you know, catastrophic event where somebody bombs a, a building or something like that. But this is true. The story was put out by NBC. Uh, this rail car is carrying ammonia nitrate and it left the plant. And they said they dumped it out along the way. But that doesn't sound very feasible either. But there, yeah, 60,000 pounds of missing chemical. So this was an interesting story that popped up. So everybody kind of took this and ran with it in different directions this week. Uh, especially, I think Candace Taylor tied it to the satellite phone uh, of senators getting satellite phones. 60,000 pounds were stolen. So she's tying those two stories together, saying we're about to have some huge event in the nation. Look, 60,000 pounds is a lot, but it's not. If you're talking about a catastrophic event, 60,000 pounds is not that much. I think they said this is about the same amount that blew up the uh, Oklahoma Trade Center building. Right. Back, uh, yeah, I forget when that occurred, but it's about and, and, the same amount that blew the building up. Yeah, I think it was a little more in Beirut. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you yep. got to add fuel to it. You got to have an ignition source. Um, but as far as catastrophic, something that's going to give half the Senate satellite phones? No, <laughs> no, no, no. So you're not ty- no. you're not tying these two stories together. 
No, no, I, I, I don't see it. Uh, it's understand if there was going to be a cataclysmic event, we have way better explosives than than uh, than ammonia nitrate or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Uh, have way better explosives. So if you're going to actually pull something like that off, uh, some C4, something like that, uh, something that's a little more stable to work with, it's not as dangerous to work with. Uh, yeah, we, we have way better explosives. Now, if, if you said a Moab was missing, okay. Now, 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 now there's something that, that could take out a city block. <laughs> And su- and sucks the air out of your lungs before it ever explodes and burns you. Right. So this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or ir- irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Mule of the Week. 31-year-old Joshua Kasparik. I think I think Eric sent this to us. This this crazy story. All right, this is only a mule of the week because no one got killed. Yes. So this guy Joshua was, was driving the fast lane of four hundred. A vehicle came up behind him and honked the horn, like get out of the fast lane. Mm-hmm. Joshua took offense and began shooting. Jeez. Luckily, luckily, I think they they said fire at least five or six shots. Uh. Striking the the uh, victim once in the arm. Luckily, the bullet yeah, was, retire, was deflected. Yeah, retired public safety officer, I'll say. Yeah, and the guy had enough wherewithal uh, to stay in pursuit and get a good description of the vehicle and tag. And uh, uh, Forsyth County uh, Sheriff's Department got him pretty quick. Jeez. And he yeah. pretty much was like, yeah, I got mad. <laughs> so I got mad and started shooting. What's the what's the penalty here? I mean, this is he's going to jail. It's aggravated assault. Quite a while. Yeah. It's also possession of a pistol by a prohibited person. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's lot under, of trouble here. Yeah, he's he's under a uh, uh, restraining order. I can't believe this incident didn't cause some major traffic event on Georgia four hundred. I mean, I saw you know, a couple years ago up where I live, these people were having road rage in front of me. They run into each other. They're screaming out the windows. And, you know, we had a big traffic accident. Doesn't sound like this caused a wreck. He just started shooting at him and went on his way. You know, on 400, if I saw two people shooting, I got to get to work, move. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking last week about, about Good Samaritan stepping in. I know that's, that, that, that's between y'all. Yeah. And if it's in the Buckhead area, I mean, it's just kind of expected, right? Oh, if it's a, if, if it's in Fulton County, <laughs> I, I'm not stepping in. I'm not I'm, I'm not going toe to toe with Fannie Willis because because she would be after my ass, so to speak. Right. <laughs> so speaking of dangerous, the NAACP declared last week Florida is not safe for black people. Yeah, I heard this, and I think I heard the word eradicated again. That black people were being eradicated in Florida because of. Governor Ron DeSantis policies that he's enacting. The national chairman lives in Tampa. <laughs> so the national chairman of the NAACP lives in the same state that he said, don't come visit if you're a black person in the United States. 
Then when questioned about it, he goes, well, I'm not leaving and we're going to stay here and change it. Yeah, okay. Well, and, and oddly enough, Florida has the highest per capita black business ownership in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great place to go start a business. I mean, it's got a great economy. Been open a lot during the COVID pandemic. Look, I, I don't know what this president sees or any bills that were passed that are endangering black people. I'm trying to find what they're actually complaining about. This this comes out the same week that Santos uh, announces for for president. This is not a mistake. Yeah, and it's not, look, this is the quote he said, right? Florida is openly hostile towards African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. Like, why is the NAACP grouping African Americans along with LGBTQ plus community? That these are totally separate groups of people, and oh, they're, they're more than two. Yeah, because I th- I think the the LGB uh, is is a community by itself. It is right. Yep. Uh, and and they and, and I know a lot of a lot of gay dudes that that want to be separated from the from the other letters like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Don't, don't lump us in with them. Yeah. I saw this, I, I saw a, a video this week of where they went to a college in New York city. And this guy was asking college students at this university, can men become pregnant? And you know, all the college students were like, yeah, men can become pregnant. You know, just didn't even think about it. Men can become pregnant. And then the same reporter went into Harlem, which is majority African-American, was asking African-Americans, you know, can men become pregnant? And basically they were laughed off the street, right? It's like, hell no, 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 no. So, again, I don't know why he's grouping African-Americans in with the the tea community. And I think that's a a huge, huge, huge mistake. Oh yeah. What, what's going to happen is there are a lot of people who support the NAACP that are that are African American, family people, mm-hmm. have values, Christians, yeah, that believe definitely. in the original the original mission of the NAACP, right? That 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 want fairness and equality, but they also it's like they, nobody learned a lesson from what happened with the with the All Star Game a couple of years ago and they yanked it from Atlanta. And all it did was hurt all the black-owned businesses around the uh, the battery. So you, you think they would learn their lesson? I know. No, but I don't think. I mean, you, a lot of companies are starting to rethink after the Bud Light scandal uh, or the Bud Light situation. So, so we'll see. No, it's fixing to be June. It's going to be rainbows everywhere for thirty days. Yeah, we will have to wait. On and I and, and I and again I don't I, I don't care about about the first of all everybody has the rights. It, it was a huge fight to, to allow to allow gays to marry. Guess what? You won. Good. And, and I, I support I I support a gay couple gay couple's uh, right to be absolutely miserable for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I have to do it, why shouldn't they? You know, I, I would have loved the excuse if uh, if if I if, if marrying my wife is illegal. I, baby, I love you, but it's just not. It's against the law. I can't marry you. <laughs> then they make it legal. Be like, oh hell! Now I got to go through with this. <laughs> but back, but, but back on the NAACP, it's 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 stupid. Especially with, when you see all their senior members, not all, but a lot of the senior members. You look at their their Twitter pages, their Facebook pages, and you see them vacationing in Florida. 
you see these reporters that, that are talking about it, these talking heads that that you pull up their their Twitter, their Facebook, they're they're in Florida for spring break this this year. It's such mm-hmm. a horrible and pretty suppressive place that you decided to go there for spring break. Yep. And well, I guarantee do as I do, you, but do as I say, isn't that the old saying? Yeah. I guarantee yeah, you this chairman like, enjoys not having not having state income tax. Yep. I mean it's like AOC during the COVID shutdown, you know, she was caught vacation in Florida, right? She was uh she was talking about DeSantis in bad ways because he's opening up and then she's on vacation down there with her boyfriend. So yeah, it's just hypocrisy at its best. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it's not like it was 50 years ago where you could go do that stuff and no one's going to see you. If AOC walks into a seafood restaurant in Miami, everybody phone, everybody's phone is coming out taking a picture of her in a seafood restaurant in Miami. That's just the mm-hmm. way it is. Now, this is her own fault. She's the one who made herself a national figure. Right. I'm not saying that they should be putting tel- telephoto lenses through, through, their, through her bedroom window, but if you're a celebrity and you go out in public, you're going to be recognized. So, Ken, you want to get to your closing thought now that we beat that to death? <laughs> yeah, and it's a little bit on the same topic. It's uh, I don't know if you saw the Los Angeles Dodgers and what they got, uh, what happened to them this week, but they were going to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence with their uh, Community Heroes Award. And if you don't know who the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are, they're, they're a drag queen group out in L.A. that makes fun of Catholic nuns. So probably one of the worst groups you could have, right? They're making fun of people that are trying to, to help other people. But the Dodgers originally were going to honor them with their Community Heroes Award. There was a lot of blowback against that, just like there is Target at the moment, just like there is Bud Light. They decided to not do it. So when they called it off, then the trans community came out hard against the Dodgers, and now they have reverse course again. So they were going to do it, called it off, and now they're doing it. Uh, Looks like you said, we're about to, June's going to be the month everybody is, uh, everybody puts up their flags and, and, and does all that stuff. But it's just funny that the Dodgers got caught in this back and forth mess, uh, trying to honor a group that's purely a despicable group that's trying to make fun of Catholic nuns. It's ridiculous. And uh, that's my closing Look, thoughts. If, if they wanted to march in a parade or something, uh, uh, fine. But to give them a award for doing nothing more than, than, uh, making fun of Catholic nuns. Yeah. In a city that's named the angels. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, of course the, the SmackDown the Braves got for a couple games from, from LA. I'm I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're taking a beating, but of the 50, (laughs) of the 50,000 people that fit in Dodger stadium, maybe two are trans. Right. So, it is Memorial Day as the show drops. It is not a happy Memorial Day. It is uh, not a day to go thank veterans. It's a day to remember those who didn't get, didn't, uh, didn't return, didn't make it back. Um, it doesn't mean to don't don't have a good time or, or go cook out or you know in my case I'm gonna go to a graduation. It's just you know take take a minute uh, uh, on on Memorial Day just to just remember the the sacrifice that 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 people made so that we can sit out, drink beer and and, and put sun on our guts while. Uh, while celebrating the opening of, of summer. So for Eric Cumbie, our editor, for Ken Pullen, my awesome partner in this endeavor, I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week.